This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I'm Justin Russo. Hello. I am Farbad. You want to say your last name? No. Nobody, ain't nobody got time for that. Okay. Are you trying to do like uh, John Connor to stay off the grid? Well, just, I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I ever said this story, but one time one of the Clipper girls asked what my last name was in the arena, and then I told her, and she said, ain't nobody got time for that, and then she walked away. So, Is she wrong? No, she really wasn't. Okay. Uh, everybody, welcome to Clip and Roll, presented by the Blue Wire Network. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. It is February 1st when we're recording this. The last time we left off was uh, the day of January 20th, which at that point, the Clippers were 10 and 4. There's been a lot of stuff going on that's kind of precluded us from doing a podcast. So I'll get into that at the end of the podcast, uh, what exactly took place. But we do want to talk about these six games that the Clippers played, excuse me, seven games that the Clippers played. Uh, they played against the Sacramento Kings, Oklahoma City Thunder twice. They then went on the road to play the Atlanta Hawks, the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, and the New York Knicks. Uh, they went six and one during those seven games. They beat the Sacramento Kings one fifteen to ninety six. They beat the Oklahoma City Thunder one twenty one oh six, and then again one oh eight one hundred. That was a Sunday afternoon game, which was kind of. I mean, they, they they tend to struggle on after Sunday afternoon games, but I gotta say I'm a little bit. Uh, and actually, you know what? I'll save it for the Knicks game. Okay, so they beat they beat the Thunder back to back. Basically, they then go on the road to Atlanta and lose by nine. We'll get into that in a second. They then play the Miami Heat, win by four. Uh, then second night of a back to back in Orlando, they win by almost thirty. And then uh, Sunday morning, I'm not even gonna say afternoon morning on the West Coast, they play the New York Knicks and beat them by fourteen. Uh, let's first off the Clippers usually struggle in Sunday afternoon games, but besides the Dallas game, they've actually been like good in Sunday afternoon games. I mean, to be honest, like they haven't really lost any game badly besides the. I mean, they've only lost what five games. Like, yeah, they haven't really one of them. I don't even know if you can count the Atlanta one because there's no PG or Kawhi. All right. So, so real quick, let's talk about that. Then that's part number two. So the first two games of this road trip, they're currently on a six-game road trip. You know, they're three and one so far through the first four games. But the first two games against the Atlanta Hawks and against the Miami Heat, they played without Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Patrick Beverly. So they're three, what I would call the three most important players for the team were all out. And the Clippers split those games. Um, they had a chance to win both games. They had a chance in that Atlanta game and uh just kind of like ran out of steam. But um Man, there's there's like a certain level of camaraderie and joy with this team 
that last year just did not have, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it was because last year the first time, it was like the first time everybody came. So, I mean, the PG, like the, the thing of them being upset about PG and Kawhi being able to, you know, sit out games for a little bit, like that was a real thing last year. Uh, and I also think like it just took a minute to get used to everybody longer than they expected. And there was just such little accountability last year too that it just made it harder because the chemistry was at an all-time high when they had Tobias. And then it was still pretty high like after they traded Tobias. But when they had Tobias, it was an all-time high. And then once once Kawhi and PG came in, everybody was just kind of quiet. Uh, it seemed like nobody wanted to step on each other's toes. So, I mean, I think after a year, you can see it now where everybody just – you can see it on the court. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the plainest thing. Like you see it on the court, and you're just like, damn man, like they're they're legit like a cohesive unit. So here's the reason we're bringing up the Kawhi and PG thing. So the Clippers lost to Atlanta without Kawhi, PG, and Patrick Beverly. They then beat Miami in honestly what I would say was their best one of the year. Miami was also shorthanded. They did not have Jimmy Butler. They did not have Goran Dragic. Several other players were out for them, but you know. Both teams are without key people. The Clippers fall behind by 18. Come come back in that game to actually lead by 19. And they hold on for a four-point win. Um, that game will probably be remembered more for Reggie Jackson calling a timeout that the team did not have. But I want to say in that moment, the team's reaction to how, like to him calling that timeout they did not have, told me a lot about the actual cohesion on the team. I mean, I think you continue your thought. I'll, I'll chime in after. Okay. Um, actually, I was just pretty, you know what? I was done with my thought. Go right ahead. Uh, I mean, that game, the the road trip was interesting, at least so far it's been interesting because like losing PG and Kawhi was a huge bummer, which I don't think anybody, anybody saw coming, which I think is funny that Kawhi called it a bummer. That was we- his word to describe <laughs> Can we touch was, on why, why they missed games? Because I mean, I like so the sources I had, I didn't ask like, I didn't ask why. I just assumed it's from contact tracing from somebody who was positive, which we don't know who. But at the end of the day, they expected them to come back on Friday the whole time, and then they finally came back on Friday. Yeah, so I'm just assuming it was contact tracing because they only missed two games, and it it added up to five days. Yeah. So, like, that's content like you you're not going to test positive then come back five days later it's just not going to happen so um it was a blessing and a curse because on one end like they probably they would have beaten the, in my opinion they would have beaten the atlanta hawks if they had them and the streak would have still continued uh but on the other end the camaraderie they showed in the atlanta game and the miami game was pretty off the charts i mean just the Miami, the, the Miami game was like the most emotionally invested I have ever been in a game that had no starters on either side. Like it's pretty is pretty nuts how invested I was. Um, and when Reggie, you just saw how much they came together for Reggie, how much they came together for each other. Like they needed a game like the, the, the team really needed two games like that. One where they almost won and then the other where they ended up having an 18 point comeback. Yeah. Um, by the way, shout out to Reggie Jackson. He's been great with Patrick Beverly out. So Patrick Beverly in the second Oklahoma city game goes out at halftime. He does not play the second half of that Oklahoma second Oklahoma city game. 
that's a weird way to like second half of that second Oklahoma's okay there we you know what I mean um Reggie comes in had not played in the first half of that game plays 20 minutes in the second half scores 14 points and in fact was pretty much the only one scoring for them in that third quarter in that Oklahoma second Oklahoma City game in Atlanta he goes for 20 points eight assists seven rebounds and is trying to will that team to a win which was insane against Miami 16 points eight rebounds six assists once again showing up Orlando, 10 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, one uh, one turnover. Makes two of his four three-pointers. He, he was good. Then again, the whole team was good in that Orlando game. Against the Knicks on Sunday morning, afternoon, brunch, Sunday brunch, there we go. Had 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, no turnovers, made three of his six three-pointers. If you just look at the last five games, he's had to summon for Patrick Beverly. Now remember, he's only played half of one game and then four full other ones. Jackson's averaging 15 and a half points, five rebounds, four assists, and a steal on 48% shooting, 43% from three. Reggie Jackson has been fantastic, and I cannot rave about him enough. It's uh I think he was one of those guys that really needed another year too, because it was it was easy to kind of crap on him last season. And to be honest, he was pretty decent last season until the playoffs came, you know? But like this is a guy that came in February, and then it was like the hiatus what like two weeks later yeah. and then he stayed in a hotel for four months he didn't get a place and it's like it was a pretty rough time for him to get acclimated last season um he showed i mean he has his bright spots and his low spots too like in the miami game he was like amazing the whole game and then somehow in the last minute he went like full chris paul 2014 where it was like what is happening where it was like brick <laughs> turnover timeout and you're like dude would you, would you what <laughs> like we were just up 10 <laughs> points at the minute left and this is the free throw this is the yeah, first free throw it's like I, at first i was like this guy and then when i saw him like uh when i saw him like almost like uh getting emotional and like surge's arms i was like all right i feel bad now but you have to hit this free throw so i can not yell at you on the tv <laughs> like but other than that, like he's he's been very solid for the team. I don't know how much of that is just shots going in because a lot of times this guy just makes like the most YOLO bailout shots I've ever seen. He, he hit a buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter in Orlando that should live in infamy for two reasons. Number one, he caught the ball in midair and did a full 180 and spun and threw it at the rim and it went in. Uh, he, does like the, he does a lot of the 360 no scopes. Yes. But the other reason that should live in infamy was that he got Kawhi Leonard to laugh and smile and high five him. <laughs> no, that and, shot was ridiculous. No, that <laughs> shot was ridiculous. But if you remember from last postseason, Kawhi Leonard had a moment with him in the Denver series where he said to him something like, I didn't give the ball. I didn't give you the ball for that shit. This time he gave him the ball for that shit. Yeah, and to see how far they've come in like four months is honestly amazing. Oh, he gave uh, one him the last ball for that shit. He really did. One last thing in this New York and in the game in New York against the Knicks. Uh, Patrick Patterson got the start at power forward because Nicholas Batum missed it due to a left groin contusion, I believe is how it was described. Patrick Patterson gets the start. Goes for 13 points and three rebounds. Makes all five of his shots, three of them being three-pointers. Um, yes, all of that happened in the first half. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell people he was the Clippers' leading scorer at halftime. 
Like he played a very major role in that game for the Clippers. Hats off to Patrick Patterson and to Reggie Jackson. These are guys who people poo-pooed on their, you know, their little re-signings and stuff. And which, I mean, at the time, I guess I get it. But then you look at the roles that they have now and they're both ready to go when their number's called and they're both delivering. So kudos to them, man. I think Patrick Patterson's, I mean, he's always been so ready. I mean, (laughs) he hates that nickname. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that one. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I don't like Stay Ready either. That's a weird one. Stay Ready's not bad. Do you like that more than Just Add Water? Um, because you could yeah. say because you could with with Just Add Water you could shorten it to Jaw and just say Here comes Jaws and play the Jaws theme song when he checks in. I think I think I feel like I lost you on that one. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, I hear you, but I feel like I lost you on that one. Oh no, I I think Stay Ready is the best. All right, but then but then it kind of gets taken over by Reggie Jackson. You say Stay Reggie. Yeah, I just call him Mister October. That's Reggie, Mister October. I like Stay Reggie. You like Stay Reggie? Yeah. I don't know about that one, Chief. Oh man. I mean, what is your I mean, what is your favorite nickname for both of them? The PG besties. That is your for both of them? Yeah, they're Paul George's besties. The besties. The, they're the wolf pack, the three best friends that anyone could ask for. Okay, you don't get an opinion anymore. Okay, that's fine. That's understandable. Um there was something else I wanted to talk about now. I just completely blew my mind on it um oh okay so we've been talking about how uh pg and Kawhi missed two of the four games on the road trip so far and you know blah 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 blah. if you were to look at the season the last time the clippers lost with Kawhi leonard in the lineup was january 8th they're pretty good with him in the lineup they're 14 and 3 um Kawhi leonard's good at basketball shocker i know if you actually look at his season averages, Kawhi Leonard is up to 26 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals on 51% from the field, 41% from three and 92% from the free throw line. Uh, at the current pace that they are going, the Clippers are going to have two qualified players eligible for the 50, 40, 90 club, which has never been done in the history of the NBA. No team has ever had two players on it at the same time in the same season, go for 50, 40, 90. Paul George is averaging 24 points, six rebounds, five assists on 50% from the field, 45% from three and 91% from the free throw line. These two are being incredible, man. But apparently I don't want to talk about the, I don't want to talk about the MVP thing. Or as Ali G calls it, the MP3. Oh, good Lord. This is my favorite commercials. Have you Why seen those? Sure? No, I don't remember those. It's like Ali G is like, he's, uh, he, he's as Ali G and he's interviewing all the NBA players. And he goes to Steve Nash and he's like, you were last season's most valuable player, otherwise known as the MP3. And Steve Nash is like, 
is called the MVP, not the MP3. And so Ali this G's is like, like 15 years ago. Yeah. And then Ali G's like, with all due respect, you as Canadian, you don't even speak English. I think it's called the MP3. <laughs> I just realized how long ago that was when you said Steve Nash. And then he interviewed Kobe too. And he gets Kobe so mad. He's like, He's like, how many springs are in an official ball? And Kobe's like, there's no springs, it's air. And he's like, well, if there's air in this room, why ain't this room bouncing? And then Kobe just gives him the death stare. <laughs> uh, Sasha Baron Cohen did Ali G, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you you like Sasha Baron Cohen, I already know. He's my favorite. He is uh, my favorite. I can tell. Um, as things currently stand, the Clippers are 16-5. That is not only the best record in the Western Conference, it's the best record in the NBA uh, at the moment. Um, they're currently third in offensive rating and 12th in, or tied, excuse me, tied for 10th in defensive rating. There's a three-way tie for that. And they're tied for second in net rating. Um, what's been your biggest, so we're, we're what, 20, 21 games into a 72 game season. So we're looking at basically 30% of the season. We're almost a third of the way through the season. I think that, I think the next game actually gets us to the, uh, the third known, uh, I'm trying to do math in my head right now. And I, uh, the 24th game. So, so three more games, but we're almost a third of the way through the season. What's been your biggest takeaway from the team so far? I know we always talk about that our biggest takeaways with the team, but like, is there something that you're kind of like, I'm blown away by this recently that kind of just rolls off the head? Maybe their comp. I, I, I want to say maybe their composure. Um, it just felt like last year's team. I mean, obviously the shooting is the obvious thing, right? The shooting and the ball movement is, is the super obvious thing. I think that stands out, stands out more than anything. Uh, the, the thing I'm, uh, the other thing I'm amazed about is just like the composure. Cause I feel like this team last year would have blown a lot of the leads from this year. Like they would have blown a lot of those 20 point leads. Cause that's what they did all the time last year. At least this year they'll be up 20. It'll get to like eight or nine and then they'll go right back to like 30. It's like, it's like pretty tremendous. Uh, I think it was the Knicks game. <clears throat> they were up 14 and in like 90 seconds, the Knicks cut it to three. And then like in two. another two, two, and then another two minutes, it was like back to 11 and then it was 30. And it was just like, what just, what just happened? Yeah. So the video breakdown, I'm, I've actually, I have the video breakdown done. I was going to post it today, but something happened. So I'm doing, I'm posting it tomorrow, tomorrow being Tuesday. So when you hear this podcast, my video breakdown of Clippers Knicks will be out. My video breakdown of Clippers Knicks is of that fourth quarter run because Emmanuel quickly hits a three. I believe it's a three to cut it to a two point game. And then the Clippers over about like, I want to say from like the seven something mark to like, it was, it was like four and a half minutes, just absolutely obliterate them. They get whatever they want offensively. They shut them down defensively. Um, They turn it from like a two point game, I believe into 15. And you're just like, what the hell just happened? And that's the thing that they're doing. Um, they're primarily doing it in third quarters more than anything. They're I, last I looked, they were the best third quarter uh, team in the NBA. Um, but I want to talk to you about the specific like ten or eleven game stretch that they're on right now. Because remember, like ten games in. Uh, so okay, the Chicago game. I don't mean to be like all crazy with my thoughts right now. The Chicago game was their eleventh game of the year, and remember that game is when Ty Lue like changed the rotations and stuff. Mm-hmm. So since that game, 
which to remind everybody was not a like low scoring game. That game ended up being a 130-127 Clippers win. So it's not like this was some low scoring game. Since that game, since he adjusted the rotations, he being Ty Lu, the Clippers are fifth in defensive rating. And they're still second in offensive rating behind the absurd Brooklyn Nets offense, which, you know, they're by the time you hear this podcast, they're playing them today, Tuesday. So uh, that's going to be a fun matchup, and we can talk about that in a minute. But with, basically, with no Pat Nev and Batum questionable. Yeah, I don't think Batum's playing. You know what I immediately uh, – I'm going to interrupt you, but you know what I immediately thought of when Batum got the groin pull thing? Oh, no. Go ahead. The the WCW Bret Hart promo where he's like, he's like, I got a real injury. This is a groin pull the likes that nobody's ever seen before. Anyway. Uh, way off topic. You want to get even more off topic real quick? Because I'll give you something. Sure. Uh, Bret Hart was in the Yokozuna uh, documentary, the icon documentary that WWE ran on their network yesterday. I watched it today. Uh, very good. Very good. At about an hour, 20 minutes. I cried a little bit at the end. But uh, man, Bret Hart, like when I hear Bret Hart talk about wrestling, that's a very fair guy. You should be like fair as in he calls it as it is. Yeah. He, they talk, he, he they calls talk it about as it is, but he also is like. I mean, he gets ham like he like in a second. He'd be like, Seth Rollins is unsafe. Uh, they talk about Hogan beating Yoko Yoko at WrestleMania nine. And I, I believe you were there, right? If I remember correctly. At WrestleMania nine. Weren't you there? Is this a joke? I thought you told me you were there. I was like four. I didn't even know if I was. Bo- was I born at WrestleMania nine? It was in Vegas. I just figured you're always in Vegas. So you no, know, was there. Oh, okay, whatever. You mistake um, me for another Persian guy. No, no I just uh, someone I know was there. Uh, yeah, I was two years older. <laughs> you could have showed up. You would have been like a little bitty Hulkster. Anyway, been... that was a rush that was there. <laughs> See, now I feel like an ass, and I don't mean I, no, because I someone I actually know was there, and I thought it was you, but may obviously it's not, and now I feel dumb. Anyways. Hogan beats Yoko for the title at WrestleMania nine after Yoko beats Brett, right? Um, Brett on the documentary kind of like craps on it. And Hogan on the documentary is like, it was my harebrained idea. So if you're going to blame anybody, blame me. I'm like, yeah, we are blaming you, buddy. That's what's exactly what we're going to do. He never admitted that before. Really? Yeah, he never admitted that before. He always said it was a Vince call. Yeah, he 100% took the blame for putting the idea in Vince's head is what he did. That's funny. Um, but anyways, long story short, uh, the Clippers are second since January 10th. So their last 11 games, they're second in offensive rating, fifth in defensive rating, first in net rating, as you would imagine. Um, they're just good. And this is with them not being fully healthy right now. Like they're without Pat, they're probably going to be without Nick for a little bit longer. We don't know yet. Um, obviously things can change. Maybe he plays against Brooklyn. We'll see. But, um, I like where the team's at right now there's as ty said uh sunday i can't remember if it was pre or post game he said that they haven't put everything in offensively so you're gonna see more stuff as the season goes along which i don't know how much more he can put in because this offense is insane and to speak to that um they are fourth in corner three-point attempts per game and they're by far number one in corner three-point percentage. They're making like 51% of their corner threes. That's absurd, man. Well, the, I think 
it, it did feel like last year, a lot of times they would rely on talent and they would just flip the switch. And this year and, they rely on system. Yeah. And, and, and last year, like you would hear guys like Marcus Morris literally say like, we're out talenting teams. But I mean, this, this year, like, it doesn't matter if you hate them or you like them or whatever. It feels like everyone's opinion is like, oh, they look different than last year. Like everyone's opinion is like, they, they look, they look pretty good. Like we, obviously you always want to wait for the playoffs and it's only a quarter of the season or so, but like they look good. So it's a, it's a matter of uh, just keeping what they're doing going. Cause it's, I don't know. They just, it just looks so much cleaner. It kind of reminds me of like a Spurs team, to be honest. Okay. I'm glad you kind of brought this up because I, the, going through numbers, the one thing I kept thinking of, oh, this reminds me of like the 2013, 14 uh, Spurs, like with their ball movement, their, their man movement. And then I started looking at it. I'm like, no, that's not what this reminds me of. And I'm going to catch some flack for this. And that's fine. I'll deal with it. I don't care. The thing that I, the team that I think they remind me of the most is the first year Steve Kerr Warriors. Like new uh, system. I have to pay more attention to how much off ball movement they do. So there's a lot more, but the thing is, it's like new system, new coach, um, same stars, but everyone has a better defined role and things are a lot more free flowing. That's how I feel. I feel like the team enjoys being together. And there wasn't that last year. And that's how that Warriors team was the first year together. I'm not saying they win a title. No one quote me and say, I think they're winning the titles. I, I don't know. There's too much uncertainty, especially with COVID injuries, what have you. But what I will say is that same joy that that Warriors team had, that same ball movement, that same getting and generating wide open corner threes. This team does that to a high level. So the similarities are there for me. It's also pretty surreal, just like how good they are in the third quarter right now. Because I'm that so Warriors used team, to the Clippers being bad in the third quarter. That Warriors team was also really good in the third quarter. So clearly the halftime adjustments are working. Against New York, post-game, Ty Lu said he changed the entire offensive system and defensive system at halftime. They switched everything. Like they switched everything in the locker room. Like, hey, we're going to change it up. And they come out in the third quarter and they perform well. Uh, they let it a little bit go in the fourth, but then they come back and steamroll them again, you know, midway through the quarter, through the quarter. They're the best third quarter team in the league. The teams who come close to them are Utah and kind of Atlanta, but it's mostly just Utah who comes close. But yeah, that tells it's, you the uh, level they're at. It's, I can see why you'd compare it to the first year Warriors just because like the Mark Jackson coach was like, a decent coach, right? He's a good coach, but he was more of a motivator than an adjustments guy. He was the guy that didn't want to start Draymond, you know, and start David Lee. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with Doc Rivers, where it was like, if you look at that Warriors team from what, twenty was it 2014? Was that when they played him in the playoffs? Uh, yes. If I you look at the so. Warriors team from 2014, there's no reason why they, talent-wise... There's no reason why they couldn't have beaten the Clippers in the first round. But then Steve Kerr comes in and he changes. He has the same team, except, you know, a small, like two or three different players. Same thing. As they the get Iguodala. Yeah, they, they get, get Iguodala. And then he shifts things around. 
Uh, they might have had Iguodala against the Clippers. No, nah, did they? Because they, they got him after they beat the Nuggets, I remember. And that was the year the Clippers You're lost. Right. They did the have him. They did have him. But they and just adjusted everything. So Kerr throws Iguodala on the bench. That was that was one adjustment. And then, um, yeah, so he throws Iguodala on the bench. David Lee's basically gone. And they start Bogut and Draymond and Barnes and Clay and Steph. So it's he just takes what he has and changes it. And then the next year they win a championship, but there was no reason talent-wise they couldn't get further that year. Kind of feels the same thing with what the Clippers had with Doc Rivers. It was like they could have won a championship with what they had, but they didn't run good lineups. They didn't run certain things properly. And it just feels like everything is run properly this year. And everyone is really bought in to an extent that we've never seen the Clippers buy in like this since like maybe 2018. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, this Clippers team, I believe they can win a title. I don't know if they will, but I believe they can. I believe in this team more this year than I did last year. Is how I would honestly phrase it. Yeah, which is crazy because it's only been like 20 games. I just see so much growth potential from this team. Like, as good as they are now, I see so much more growth potential. I don't know if I'm wrong on that. I don't know how you feel. No, it it feels the same way. I was just, I got distracted and chuckling because LeBron James tweeted courtside Karen. And I was like, what a guy. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Uh, I didn't even see what happened. I kind of don't care. Um, (laughs) As things stand, the Clippers are a half game up on the Jazz and the Lakers for the first seed. Um, It's still kind of a little bit early to, like, be looking at, this stuff like with any discernible uh i don't even know you know what i'm trying to say i don't i don't know what i'm trying to say i mean it's hard Um, it's too early to look at this stuff but you always got to win the easy games no matter what because it catches up to you right i mean you look at how they've really done and there are some impressive things like this team's been taking care of business against not good teams so that was something last year's team kind of struggled with. Like the Clippers are 10 and one against teams below 500. Uh, last year they were 29 and 11. So while that's still real, like well, 29 and 11 is really good. Who's the one? Ten- Who's the one? Oh, Dallas. Yeah. Ah, but that's not going to be under 500 for long. I don't know. You don't think so? Good. I don't know, man. I they lost again you. tonight, this time to Phoenix on a hey, Devin I, I Booker buzzer beater. I watched Chris Paul blow that layup and I was like, how oh, that was hell? wild. That's the worst. Dude, I think he was moving too fast. I was too shocked he was that open. Uh, anyway, I don't know if yeah, they're going to stay under 500, but... They're five games uh, under. It just... Well, I mean, Denver started really low, too, and then they just exploded. I mean, yeah, it's just... Dallas has a lot more ground to make up than you want at this point of the season. Five games under 500, just 21 games in, it's not great. Um, I do I do think though, like it's gonna sound weird to say, but all last season, I felt like these guys needed to be doing a lot of the things the Lakers are doing, like handle your business, don't blow big leads They're, the Lakers were undefeated when they let like when they uh were leading in the third quarter, and there were just so many things where you were like, okay, they're not messing around, there's no combustion, like if you beat the Lakers last season. The bad teams didn't really beat them. They really no. did it. And then, like, if you beat them, you beat them. It wasn't like they collapsed 
or like they mentally combusted. It was like you just had a tight match and you beat them. Lakers now, were 32 and five against under 500 teams last year. Yeah. That in perspective. And now this year's team feels a lot like how that team last year was in terms of handling their business and not doing, you know, I mean, the, the, honestly, the Nets team of this year feels like the Clippers team of last year, which is what I've been saying all year. Do you know the Nets are five and six against teams under 500? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, Nets and Clippers is tonight. So if you're listening to this Tuesday night, Nets and Clippers is tonight. That's a big time game. It's going to be 400 um, points. Yeah, there might be at this rate. Um, although watch this thing be like 95, 94 or something. Um, I don't know who's going to win. To be honest with you, we're not going to be able to glean much from this matchup. Um, hot takes will fly, whatever. Um, but for the Clippers, you know, you look at their upcoming schedule. Yes, they get the the Nets uh, Tuesday night. They then have to play Cleveland on Wednesday night. And Cleveland's on a pushover. Just so people understand, Cleveland's 10 and 11. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. They have good players. Clippers are going to have to take them seriously. And it's at the end of a long road trip. You got to take that seriously. And then they play Boston on Friday. So the next three games for the Clippers are Brooklyn, Cleveland, Boston. Those are three tough games. And if they win two of them, I'm over the moon. If they win three of them, all three of them, I don't even know what I'll do with myself. You buy buy a new car. I like the car I have. It's new enough. Um, I don't have a hot take this week. Is that okay? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Um, do you mind if I steal a minute here? Yeah. Can I give a hot take? Go right ahead. Um, my hot take. No, I don't want to touch that. I just think it's kind of like, well, I mean, Warriors fans will come at me a little bit, but like, leave Rodney Magruder alone. Like. <laughs> Guy's a nice. He was one of the nicest guys and the quietest guys in the locker room. Like, I don't think anybody's ever had a bad thing to say about. Like, Rodney was the guy that was so nice that if you ever had a bad game on Twitter, you were like, "I don't want to talk smack on him because he's so nice," and I, I just don't want to bring that negativity towards somebody that nice. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> All right, that's fine. That's a that's a solid hot take. Um, I'm sad that's even a hot take. Uh, anyways, um, at the beginning of this podcast, I did say I will tell you guys why we haven't recorded in a while. Um, I'm about to get real for a second, so I apologize. If anybody wants to turn this podcast off right now, I will give you the next five seconds to do so. I'm about to talk about real life, so I will start the clock now. You have five seconds. All right. Anyways, um, we haven't recorded since january 19th that podcast came out on the 20th i then found out my uncle um who tested positive for covid had to go into the hospital uh as of today uh today february 1st uh he passed away today um i'm not saying this on air for sympathy or anything like that i don't want sympathy i'm not sad i'm very pissed off um i'm sorry if that offends anybody i frankly i don't care um, I watched a family member of mine when well, I don't watch, but a family member of mine passed away from COVID because a lot of people didn't take it seriously. And I'm just, I'm just very pissed off. Um, I know on this podcast today, I probably haven't sounded that pissed off. Um, it's a mask. I, uh, I'm very angry. I'm, I'm, 
I just have a lot of emotions going through me. And so it was very tough for me to do this podcast. To be perfectly honest with you, Farbod DM'd me uh, probably four hours ago and I didn't respond because I just didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, so I apologize to you, Farbod, for not responding sooner, but you know, life. Um, please, for the love of hell, I don't, I, I don't even, I don't even know what to say right now. Just please wear your mask properly, social distance wash your hands don't go out unless you absolutely have to for the essentials i know it's tough i know it's tough but there are lives at stake more than your own and i don't mean to get up on a soapbox and pontificate and preach to the to everybody here on this podcast i'm sorry but i'm very pissed off uh a good man lost his life because of this shit and i really am pissed and I don't know when we're going to record again. Uh, I'll talk to you about that off air. I'm just very fucking pissed. And I hope everyone who is listening has a very good day, has a very good evening, and has a very good rest of the year and rest of your life. Um, I'm sorry for bringing the mood down. I do apologize sincerely for that. Uh, I know this is a basketball podcast and I'm supposed to be all happy go lucky. And sometimes I am. And, you know, I, I can't today and I uh, kept it in for the podcast. And then now I'm just letting it out. This is my vent session and my therapy session. So um, everybody, please be safe. Call, text, write a loved one, email them. I don't care what it is. Tell them you love them. Um, we're in this together. Uh, we are a society. It is on us to help other people do what you need. Take care of one another. Uh, I love you guys. Farbod, do you have anything to tell them? Um, no, I'm okay. Okay. Everybody take it easy. Um, we'll probably see you in a couple days. I don't know. Maybe if the mood strikes us, maybe we'll do one after the game against Brooklyn tonight. Maybe, maybe we'll just hop on for like 20 minutes and just talk about the game, depending on how the game goes. I mean, I'm not saying like if the Clippers win, we're going to do it. I'm just saying like, if the, if it's a very good game, I don't mind. And the Clippers lose. I'd, I would love to talk about it. I like good basketball games, wins or losses. Um, everybody stay safe. Uh, do what you need to. And uh, we'll see you guys the next time we see you. Everybody take it easy.